DJ PK and the radio voice of the Utah Jazz joining us now, David Locke, his weekly interview brought to you by the Murdoch Auto Team. David, good morning. Good morning. How are you? Excellent. You? I'm great. You know why? Because it's Friday morning and I get to talk with my two good friends, David James and Patrick Kinahan. And they're legends in the market of Utah. They've been here forever. <laughs> They're the number one rated morning show. They bring insight. They bring knowledge. PK brings a little caustic energy. DJ's my buddy, and it makes me happy that you're still here every morning. you got ten minutes to stop that. <laughs> ten minutes to stop that. What's that was, up, guys? That wasn't exactly what he said when he met me in a bagel shop and lowballed me and tried to convince me to do morning radio. <laughs> Why am I still a victim of having no budget 25 years ago? Uh, yeah, really. Good point. Because it's fun. <laughs> okay. Let me All ask right. you a question. Yeah. Um, if I'd given you like $5,000 more then and said, but I want 3% all of your future earnings, how would have I done? Ooh. Ooh. You'd have cashed in. <laughs> okay, but so but you've already cashed in, so <laughs> how many times do you need to cash in? A lot. All right. Are the Jazz going to cash in on the Clippers? That is the question. They beat them once. Joe Ingles told us how hard it is to beat a team twice, although he acknowledged they've already done it twice this year to New Orleans and Dallas. What are you expecting here? And I suppose that starts with who do you think is going to play and who do you think is going to sit? That's probably the first thing to figure out. Um, so... Let's assume I think returns tonight. Um, I, I actually, if I was totally honest, I would have probably thought he returned. You know, once he went to questionable, I thought he would return. But um, so I'm, I'm think he'll return tonight. Uh, I think that kind of using that same logic, which turned out to be wrong the other day, that once you have um, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, and Nicholas Batum all questionable, I think they're all going to play. So. I'm assuming we're getting a full strength game and this is this is a great test. Like it doesn't we lose it doesn't disqualify the fact you've won 20 of 21 and that you're you know a legitimate title contender. But there are two areas that I have of you know concern for our path forward and both of them will get exposed tonight. So that that'll be really interesting. The two areas are the Clippers really kind of broke our method of play in the last game with inferior talent. Atlanta did the same thing with inferior talent. So, and that is that they hugged to our shooters, made us play a two-man pick-and-roll game in the middle of the floor. We weren't able to move the basketball uh, and swing it around and get our threes and get those great moments. Ty Lue said in the Zoom call to me before the game, you know, I don't, I, I want to not into closeouts. We've got to avoid being in closeouts. Well, the way you avoid being in closeouts is you, you hug the shooters and don't let them get passes. And so the, that's, they did that. I mean, the Jazz took more um, non-restricted area twos in the first half of that game than they had in like 13 or 14 complete games this year. So now we're going to see it again, but instead of having Lou Williams, Patrick Beverly, and whatever other guard they had on the floor whose name is completely escaping me right now that was six feet tall and small, um, Reggie Jackson, they're going to have 6'9", Paul George, 6'9", Kawhi Leonard, and 6'8", Nicholas Batum. So are we able to pass? And in the two-man game in the middle of the floor, can we score? And I don't know. Like, I think that's a real concern for us. When Kawhi Leonard and Serge Ibaka are now guarding Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert, pick and roll, and Paul George 
and Zubak are now guarding the Joe Ingles, Rudy Gobert pick and roll. I think we could have a really hard time scoring in the middle of the floor. And if they're hugging our shooters, we better find a way to to get it out. But that's that's the concern for me. So then with the questionable status thing, as you view it as playing, are we viewing Mike Conley in those same words? Yeah, I think Mike Conley will play, and he'll be way, he'll be really, really valuable because now if that's the way you're playing, you can move Donovan off the ball and have Donovan come off pin downs or picks off Rudy or other players, small guard-to-guard uh, picks, and then try to free him into so that the pick and roll is now coming off a run rather than coming off a static position at the top. And that'll, you know, Patrick Beverly got into Donovan and Donovan got like stood up a little bit. And now you're going to bring Donovan off a, off a wing pick and, and bring him. So he's got, you know, he's got the ball in flow and, and that should, that's where you know, they really missed Mike the other night. So as we look around the West, obviously as the Jazz and Clippers play, they're going to be playing on the same floor the Lakers play on. And you've watched the Lakers Thursday. Man, with, without Anthony Davis, they don't have enough firepower. With him, they have little margin for error. If, if their best two players are on, they're in pretty good shape. Uh, PK brought this up earlier this morning. Do you think the Lakers are going to make a move here? Do you think they feel like they need someone else who can score? So I've got to give Rob Blink some you know, credit. I don't know. I mean, you get LeBron and you get Anthony Davis, and so obviously, you know, you, you've got pretty good ingredients in the cake, and you're just putting a little frosting on it at that point. Um, but I do think that he's shown an aggressiveness. I don't know that I love the Dennis Schroeder move in the offseason, but he certainly he identified where he thought his championship team was lacking, and um, and then made the next step, which is you know that's pretty impressive to me actually. Um, that. You know, he was willing to do that. So I, they've been very active. They're the number one buyout market in the league. Everybody wants to play with LeBron. Um, so I would suspect that they w- that you'll see them make some sort of, of change. I don't know how dramatic. Like, are they going to, you know, they, they don't have a lot of picks left. New Orleans owns most of them. Kuzma's probably their most tradable piece. He's actually played brilliantly and actually decided to engage defensively at times. And he's super long. So he has some value, and he's not that expensive. So I don't know. You know, they don't have like, I don't think they have a Bradley Beal package they can put together. Um, and so is there a, you know, is there another tier player where there's somebody up against the tax and you can make a move and you bring in somebody who, you know, you know, I don't know who I'm, I'm you know, Denver always comes to mind. Like, are you somehow going to get a Gary Harris out of Denver who needs to clear some space to do something for some other deal? I don't know. Uh, but Polink has been very aggressive. I haven't looked at their schedule for the next two weeks. I mean, you know, obviously the last two days have been really telling. They played Minnesota. That's a game that even without Anthony Davis, they still win. They played Brooklyn, has some firepower, and they don't. Like, I haven't looked to see over the next two weeks how many losable basketball games they really have. So, Anthony, Anthony, by the way, Anthony Davis is not back for, like, four weeks. It's like the reevaluate in two or three weeks. And yesterday, last night, Frank Vogel t- clarified that a little bit. Like, hey, he's, he's not coming back for, like, four weeks. So he's missing till post-All-Star break at best. With Conley coming back, does it automatically mean he goes into the starting lineup and Joe goes to the bench? Are there other possibilities, say, like maybe bringing Bogdanovich off the bench? Yeah, I think it automatically means that that, yes. I think you go right back to where you were. You don't lose your job for a starter, but he's also Mike Conley. So, yeah, you you go back. that You might, you might close differently, though. Frankly, I don't think we've been very good over the last few years, and even this year when Joe, Mike, and Donovan are all on the floor at the same time. Um, you know, 
Joe is having, I think, maybe the best seven-game stretch of his NBA career. It's pretty awesome. Um, and in you know, and in many ways, uh, you know, we're talking about Mike Conley as a potential All Star. I frankly think Joe Ingles has had a year that's that's probably, if Mike Conley's worthy, Joe's worthy. Mike's got a much better chance. There's no way we'll convince anyone of that. But I mean, Joe's really been, after a sluggish start, has been brilliant. And there's no question that Joe plays better in the starting lineup. But like, can we stop with like the the reason everyone plays better in the starting lineup is because they're playing with Rudy, right? Like. Like, this shouldn't be complicated for us anymore. Like, you look at the top ten pick-and-roll combinations in the NBA, there's only one big got two guards with him. It's Rudy. And frankly, like, when you look at, like, Kyrie Irving and DeAndre Jordan, like, the reason's Kyrie Irving, right? Like, when you look at most of the pick-and-roll league combinations in the NBA, you go, oh, Chris Paul, like, oh. It's like, Rudy's the reason. Like, so Mike Conley is playing better this year because he plays every minute with Rudy Gobert. Joe Ingles is playing better when Mike Conley's out because he takes all the minutes with Rudy Gobert. So that's what's going on there. It's that you're, they all, they, you play with Rudy, you play better. Like we all talk about the Joe Ingles, Derek Favors pick and roll and how great it is and we love it and they're combinating. Joe and Rudy have always been better than Joe and Derek. So that's not of, a slight on Derek. That's just a comment on how great Rudy is. Saw a lot of discussion on social media about uh, – Derek favors and has he lost some athleticism? And I got to wonder if the back is bothering him. He's not on the injury report, but he was earlier this year. Do you have any thoughts on that as people see him finger roll and lay balls in that he used to dunk? I mean, I think he's clearly struggling physically or else he wouldn't have been on those um, injury reports. I I think there's a, there's going to be a little bit of a trick for Derek. I'm like how he stays, He's playing so much less than he's ever played before. So how do you stay? Like, does your body get, I don't know how this works. I really, this is a legitimate just question. Like, does your body get fresh or does your body get stale when you're only playing 12 minutes a night and you're used to playing 25? Um, I don't, I don't know on that. I think that's going to, is a challenge for Derek. You know, Derek came back to Utah in because he loved it here and he loves Quinn and, and he felt family and all those things. I also kind of would say that I, I, I don't think a lot of guys decide they're only going to play 14 minutes a night if they thought their body was able to play 34. Mm-hmm. Like there might have been some self-awareness going on here of like, wow, I'm just not physically able to go at 30 minutes a night anymore. And if I sign this deal, get to a place I like, be with people I enjoy – be with a coach I believe in and, you know, have a, and I can lengthen my career a little bit by playing 16 minutes. Night. I, I have not talked to Derek. I mean, this is a classic example of where the pandemic just does not let us report the way we once did. I mean, this would, this would be a conversation. You just hold it. I'm like, you know, why? And what were your thoughts? And how's your body? And like, you just would know the answer to these questions. You just don't know them right now. But that's my quick thought on that is that it's not really the most natural thing for a player to do to decide not to, to do that. Um, and, you know, the only other one I would say, I think it's probably a little bit more of a mental struggle again you know, I apologize. Like, this is just one of these conversations where I just feel really like fish out of water right now, and it's because we just don't have the access we once did. But I go back to a quote earlier in my career where this actually happened in a dinner in Denver where I was out for dinner with Jeff Hornacek, and we were just talking, we were talking about the end of his career 
And he shared with me that what happened was that one day he was driving into the arena and he realized, like, wow, I don't really have an impact on the game tonight. Like he said, for all those years of, like, the Jazz in their heyday and me with the Jazz, I'd pull into the arena and, like, my last thought every time was, all right, let's go. You got to be good tonight. You got to be good. Like, as he got out of the car, like, all right, let's get ready. Let's pump it up. I got to be good. If we're going to win tonight, I got to be good. And he's like, at the end of my career, when I was coming off the bench and playing like 15 minutes a night, I would drive in and be like, mm, okay, we'll see. I mean, I'm, 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 hopefully I'm okay. Like, he's like, I just lost the, like, there just wasn't the same thing. And it, it, I, I got to assume, again, I don't know, but I got to assume that that's probably a little bit of what Derek's going through too, right? Like, he's motivated and he's engaged, but he, he's not walking into the arena thinking, wow, I'm going to change the outcome of the game tonight unless something unique happens. It's not the same feeling i i might be told derek, derek might hear this and again i apologize these are one of those things that like i would talk to derek and probably give him that whole story and ask him how he's comparing to that and you just can't do that right now so i, I apologize that i i'm kind of being very hypothetical i don't like to be like this it's what i've generally avoided in my career but left with very little other choice right now how about bogdanovich it seems like his play has been up and down now it doesn't really matter as much when you're winning but i'm wondering if he's in that position of trying to find himself I mean, I, I, we have a lot, like, so, I mean, what we're kind of alluding to here is inside of the conversation of how great all of our balance is and our depth and all those things, like, that goes both ways, too, right? And it is all hunky-dory-dandy when you've won 20 of 21, but, like, we talked about at the very beginning of the year that it was going to be a little bit of a struggle for us to figure out, you know, where all the shots go. And if you add up all the shots we're supposed to have on a given night, you know, jo- Joe suddenly gets a lot of shots tonight, right? Like Mike Conley's back. There's, there's, you know, they've all been playing for six days, and and now there's 14, 14, 15 shots that have to get redistributed. And when Donovan went out for a little while, I think Boyan was big, and other guys were big, and now their shots have to be distributed. And these guys have been really good at it, and they're collective. And it's why Quinn, you know, you hear Quinn has this their 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 hour shots, not his shots, and you know everyone's working for collective shots, and that's the mentality that Quinn. He's trying to promote to these guys, but the reason Quinn's trying to promote to these guys is he's 100% aware of the fact that they're, you know, there's a there's a limited amount of shots out there, and there's a, guys who are used to getting them. So, yeah, this is this is certainly a a little bit of a mental game for the Jazz players that that they have to stay in this this really great mindset they're in right now because there is a limited amount of shots available. Do you think Bogey's healthy, or do you think a lot of what we're seeing is the wrist is still bugging him and the surgery didn't get things back to 100%? Um, so there's very little track record out there on that surgery of players returning to play from that surgery successfully, um, largely because the players who had it were all either not very good or at the end of their career. Um, but they, all of them that did have it had a pretty dramatic drop um, that then led to them, you know, either they were on their way out of the, the league Antoine Jameson at 37 years old, Xavier Henry, you know. So I think it's a really hard surgery to come back from. So I think these inconsistencies we're seeing have to be related to that. The, the one I would say, by the way, though, he straightened out as his rim finishing. His the, the early season struggles for Bogey actually were rim finishing. They weren't three. They weren't really three point shooting. Like early in the year, he's shooting 34 percent from three instead of 30 instead of 40. Like it's actually not that many shots as we saw because he got right back up to 40 pretty quickly. Um, he was really bad at the rim, and I actually think his legs weren't right. 
So I think that part of the thing with Bogey early in the year was not wrist related. I thought I think he, you know, just his rehab and whatever other things he went through in the off season that prevented him from being in tip top shape. When he drove the basket, his his he didn't have any lift and the ball was hitting short on the basket. He's fixed that. His rim finishing is much better right now. Um and now his three point shooting's off a little bit. That just could be I mean, you know, like that's just numbers. Like let's let's not look at his three point shooting in twenty shot increments. Let's look at it in you know, 200 shot increments. And so he's what about 30 is what is he 38% for the season right now? Uh, right? Yeah, I think that's about right. All right. So he gets hot for like four days and he's back to 40, right? If it happens. Yes. But of course, yeah, if he's so, not healthy, can it happen? Well, I mean, he got hot early and got back to 40. Now he slipped down. So, I mean, I think he's not. I would say I would guess that he probably has some scar tissue and he has some things in there that are different. He had a surgery, right? Like our bodies are not actually made to be opened and put back together. So there's something different in there, and he's just probably dealing with it. And you know, again, kind of back to I'm pretty useless on the show. I don't even know why you have me on. Like I don't have any insight at all. I don't talk to any of the players. I don't. I don't know crap for you anymore. I'm used to this. Thanks for making me feel like I suck today. I really appreciate you know, coming that, on the show. That's funny you say that, and I'm sure you feel it as a personal loss. But listening to your broadcast, does the listener really notice any difference in the quality of the broadcast? And I can argue, no, it doesn't. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't be out on the road or anything. I'm just, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm just talking about the product that you produce. It's hard to discern that there's much of a difference. Well, from uh, let me all tell the you things what. that you produce. Let me tell you what. <laughs> um, so the listener is missing out on a lot. I can feel it every night where there's just a note or a tidbit or a piece of information or something you could share with a player. It can be. A I know you easy. can, but I wonder if they no, feel but I the think same the, way. I mean, maybe this is the classic example of like, you know, there's a missing ingredient in some sort of really nice dinner you get and you don't notice it, but the, the, but, but it could have been better. Right. Right. Like it's fine. And we've been put in a position to succeed by the organization. So I'm super appreciative of that. And it's fine. I'll go with that. It's fine, but it's not what it can be. And it's not delivering to the listener what you could get. And it can be as simple as riding the elevator with Donovan Mitchell a static that he just found out that his sister got into American university is going to American and he has to share that. And so you share that tidbit with the fans and it gives you this texture and feeling of who Donovan Mitchell really is as a person that he's so excited for his sister going to a big game. That's what he wants to tell you in the elevator, right? Like I think those moments are super important. The moment in, in the team was struggling a few years ago, and I walked to the hotel lobby, and Ricky Rubio's got seven different players he's leading out for dinner, and I know the clicks of the team, and those are four different clicks that are going to dinner that night. Right? Those little tidbits tell the story to the fans of what's going on and how Ricky, you know, leaving Detroit on the, the night Ricky Rubio decided not to get stitches and come back in to finish that game that then leads to the next night where Rubio hits the three, and you get all the little backstories about those two events, there's so much the listeners missing from that. So yeah, those but when, are they're the winning, 
Well, they're right. winning 20, right. 20 out of 21. I mean, I That's could, all that matters. Right. I could be completely horse crap on the air right now, and everybody tell me I'm great because we, I'm telling him about wins every night. Jim right. Roy tells this, like, great story. I hope he doesn't mind me telling this. He was, like, brought into the office in Golden State by many bosses ago, and they told him that his Q rating was way down and it's a problem. He's like, we won 56 games last year and 24 this year. Of course my freaking Q rating is down. <laughs> I gave bad news 62 times. Like, what the hell is like? It was like crazy. My Q, I'm sure I'm like, yeah, I mean, gosh, I'm beloved right now, right? I've only given you good news 20 of 21 times. And the one night I didn't give you good news, the other team was so great, I was still giving you good news. So, of yeah. course, like, you know, like, but there's so much that's missing. And I will tell you, like, the other night, like, just to share with you, I don't know if you care, but just to share, like, Patrick Beverly's is like incredible animated character on the floor. And when you're calling a game, which you're, and I've learned this really from Kevin Harlan, by just obsessively listening to every radio game he's ever called. When you're calling a game, you're actually your own camera, right? Like, so the TV is taking you to where the TV camera and Travis Anderson and Jeremy Brunner are winning Emmys by taking the right shots all the time. Well, I'm taking you with my camera where I want to go. So I go back to Oklahoma City the night Paul George was, like, unbelievable the night after the All-Star game, and one of my better calls was, like, Paul George was, like, laying on the ground just surely exhausted just but on fire and having to take free throws and taking the extra second he could to get up because he was so tired. And you and I took my camera to that spot and took the listener right there to that moment. The other night, like Patrick Beverly's being animated and he's doing I was like I'm so I start to take the camera, my camera to Patrick Beverly. He's the story right now. Donovan's one for eight. Beverly's causing the problems. Let's go into Beverly. He's so animated. What's he doing? And the TV camera switches off with him. And I'm just screwed. Like, I'm like, you know, I don't know if you remember the call was like Beverly pacing toward the official, hands out wide, and they shot to another shot. But I now have no idea what Patrick Beverly's doing because I'm in Salt Lake City and he's in Los Angeles. So it's brutal. But I'm glad to know that it's feasible, and as long as I can tell everybody about 20 or 21 wins, everybody will be happy. Yeah. That's for sure. Just win 95% of the time and everything will be okay. <laughs> right. And, that, and, my, and then I can go into a meeting and say I want to raise because my Q rating's good. Yeah, good luck with that. <laughs> Let me know how that goes for you. Okay, thanks. All right, David, we appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us, even if you know, you're only uh, 73% of your normal self. I'm far less than that on road games. On home games, I should be way better than that. How's that? There you go. Okay. Thanks, David. See you. All right, David Locke, joining us every Friday here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. His weekly interview brought to you by the Murdoch Auto Team. Shane Young, NBA columnist and analyst for Forbes Sports. He's working in L.A. this week. The Jazz are playing the Clippers in L.A. Perfect time to have him on. That's coming up at 9 o'clock right here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Time to welcome in Andrew Reinhart right now. He joins us to talk about Wasatch Medical Clinic and their breakthrough treatment for ED that does not involve a pill, injections, or surgery. I don't even like reading that phrase, Andrew. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not a good scenario, guys. Start out with the pill for ED. Their body builds up a little tolerance. They take a little more, then they take more, then it stops working, and then it's the needles. And we don't have to talk about the negatives with that. It's pretty obvious. Uh, I think that those things could be a thing of the past. Um, This treatment that Wasatch Medical Clinic uses, the two most advanced forms of acoustic wave therapy, they use pressure waves, kind of like breaking down a muscle in the gym. We're building blood vessels in this part of the body up stronger. 
we're opening them up and even regrowing some so that when the timing is right in the bedroom, the blood flows properly. Uh, ED, we kind of forget, ED is a blood flow problem. That's what we're treating, and we've helped a lot of guys reverse their erectile dysfunction and, of course, eliminate those pills. So when, uh, when you talk to the patients after this, what is the feedback you're getting? The feedback is generally a relief of pressure because the pill creates so much stress. And I think just getting on-demand function back, improved frequency is, is kind of a breath of fresh air. They're more relaxed in the bedroom. They know that they can perform. And by the way, we're getting a lot of good feedback from the spouses. That's been really cool to say, hey, I sure am glad my husband or boyfriend or whatever went through these treatments. And you've got stuff from Cambridge University. And by stuff, I mean, you know, <laughs> scientific studies and results. Right. It's in my world. Is, you know, stuff. stuff. Right. <laughs> We do. There's 40 clinical studies. Cambridge is the most interesting to me because they took a bunch of guys of every age, like 30 years old to 70, I think. Some had health conditions, some didn't, and tested it. And they showed it worked. It has a high success rate. It's totally safe. And, uh, it can, you know, it can reverse the erectile dysfunction. So you got a special offer for the people who call 801-901-8000 right now. Yeah, pick up the phone, call us now. You're going to meet with our doctor at no charge. He'll do a blood flow ultrasound at no charge. A little enhanced gift that produces instant results in the bedroom. You'll really love that. Uh, new patients even get free testosterone. So a ton of value. Call us here at Wasatch Medical Clinic now. It's all no charge. Call Wasatch Medical right now, 801-901-8000. 801-901-8000. Wasatch Medical, you get the special deal right now at 801-901-8000. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you, guys. The Big Show. The Big Show. With Jake Scott and Gordon Monson. Sam Amick, I still see national pundits compare the Jazz to the Hawks of a few years ago that were so good but ended up flaming out. Is this a case where the Jazz really can't win those people over to their side? Because 20 of 21, it doesn't get much better than that. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like Donovan Starr does continue to get brighter, but it's not as bright as a James Harden or a LeBron. If you ask the casuals why Utah is winning every night, they say, tell me what LeBron's doing. But they're earning respect on a nightly basis. They're winning even when they don't play all that well, which is a sign of a really good team. They're winning when they got guys out of the lineup. They seem to also keep their perspective on the big picture and know you don't want a championship a couple months into the regular season. Catch the Big Show weekdays from 2 to 7 presented by Big O' Tires. The team you trust on 97.5 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK brought to you in part by Davis Vision. Davis Vision's New Year's special continues through February. Save $1,000 off normal pricing now through the end of the month. Check them out now at davisvisionmd.com Question of the morning... Brought to you by Charles Barkley. Yes, Charles Barkley got on TNT and announced he thinks Jordan Clarkson should be an all-star ahead of Anthony Davis. Reaction. PK, this is shocking. What? Well, Anthony Davis has a rep. Anthony Davis won a championship. Anthony Davis starts. Jordan Clarkson comes off the bench. I mean, all the normal things that if I said, no names, describe an all-star, Jordan Clarkson checks some of the boxes. Anthony Davis checks all of the boxes. It wouldn't be shocking if Barkley said Jordan should Jordan Clarkson should be an All Star. Maybe mildly surprising, depending on how close you do or don't follow the team. But that he would say he's an All Star in front of Davis, that to me is surprising. 
That's got you flummoxed, huh? It does. It does. Because I don't know that there's anybody who thinks Anthony Davis shouldn't be an all-star. Of course he should be an all-star. So to say he should be an all-star in front of Davis is different than saying Jordan Clarkson should be an all-star. Okay, but how much is that due to the injury that Anthony Davis is now dealing with? Well, the fact is that Davis isn't going to be able to play in the All-Star game. The Lakers just came out and said he's out for four weeks. So they could name him, and then they're going to have to name a replacement. So it kind of, you know, Barkley's argument goes straight into the realm of the hypothetical because they aren't going to both be healthy where one guy's going to bump the other. Agreed. The whole idea of an All-Star for the NBA, it's, it's not as obvious, I think, as it is in other sports because – you know, how much emphasis is due for winning. And Jordan Clarkson is having a significant impact on winning. When you ask that what's about winning, you know, what does it take to win? Well, you need a lot of different components. And one of the components that you need in this league is the scorer off the bench. Yep. And it's sort of like in baseball. They were slow to acknowledge the relief pitcher, you know, but gradually they came to realize that, that and you see, you actually see what you would consider non-starter and non-closer being all-star, and that took a while to get to that level. Yep. To have that, whoever that person was, whoever that pitcher is, to get that recognition. But then they realized, you know, that's an important part of the game, and so that that's sort one of, of things melted ret- away a little bit, in, chipped away at it. In retrospect, you look at that and think, why wasn't that more obvious earlier? Right, but well, because it wasn't that it wasn't that way in the early parts of the game. Right. The start, you look at some of these stats of guys Gibson and Drysdale. I mean, they completed the, just staggering amounts of games compared to they do now. And then the closer came along, and that was sort of invented, and that became all right. That was we can see that the dude who gets the last out. Well, the dude who gets the last out against the seven, eight, nine hitter, so is that maybe that's not as hard as the guy who gets the three, four, five guys out in the inter- in, inning before. You know what I mean? And so that became recognized. And so we have that in basketball. And you just brought it up. One's a starter and one's a bench player. Yeah. Okay, well that that jumps out at you, but that bench player in that specific role. That is something that is not guys falling off trees that you pluck and you have them do, and they succeed at it because everybody's brought up to be a starter, and that's what you are. Did you Are you starting the game? And that matters. Your name is called, and you go out there starting at guard. You know, we all know that. And one of the first guys who drummed it into my head was Majerus. He used to say, starting's for high school. And you know how he was. He was gruff in a lot of ways <laughs> when he would make his point. And he said that and got me thinking, starting's for high school. And, uh, and I got to be thinking about that. You need guys in individual roles. And what what is an all-star? Because you look at it, Clarkson isn't playing uh, like this highly recognizable role that Mitchell is. But is Clarkson, I'm not going to say he's as valuable as Mitchell. That's a tough one there. But is he right there with everybody else? And certainly not Gobert. But the other guys that play a relatively uh, close game to his. Because what he does, he's going to do it at an extremely high level. So is that something that should be all-star worthy on a team that's won 20 of 21? 
And see, that's a great discussion, but that's a great discussion separate from he should bounce Anthony Davis from his team. Because Davis literally misses a game, and if you didn't see the Laker game last night, uh, you know, for you and I, we stay up for the local teams. And if we're tired the next morning, we take a nap or whatever. But for the national games, there's always late games on for the West Coast, and we can't stay up for all of them, so we pick our spots. I have to tell you, when the Lakers went down by 20 in the third quarter and they had a shot of sad-looking Anthony Davis in street clothes over there at the end of the bench or what has become the bench, the bench area, you're like, yeah, they're not coming back from this. I'm going to bed. So Anthony Davis's impact is massive. With him, they can, they can, they may not, but they could repeat as champions. With him, they did win the title last year. And they have a shot at doing it again. Maybe they will, maybe they won't. We'll see how it plays out. But without him, they have no shot. Anthony Davis is a big, big part of what the Lakers are doing. Okay, I and can't so to, argue that. And so to bounce him from the All-Star team for Jordan Clarkson seems like a huge, that, that seems like a huge call by Barkley. But I think it emphasizes that Barkley agrees with what you just say, said is starting this for high school, or, or Barkley might say starting this for college, and the Jazz wouldn't be where they are without this guy. What he is doing deserves recognition. It's a big part of why the Jazz are a 20 out of 21 instead of, I don't know, pick a number, you know, 14 or 18 out of 21, whatever, who knows. You know, there are games where they haven't quite had it, and he's come in and gotten hot and gets them on a roll and they win the game. So he deserves some recognition for that. To the level of recognition the AD gets for helping LeBron get another title, that seems like a big call. It seems like when you're saying that, Barkley is saying the Jazz can do this which isn't really what Shaq was saying on TNT a couple of weeks ago. And that was a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. And you got you more, more evidence. You get more. Yeah. You get new. In- hopefully, if you get new information, you get a new opinion. <laughs> Obviously, life doesn't always work that way. But hopefully, and you know, is this last couple weeks enough? The Jazz have played some of the better teams in the NBA. Now, they've also played some of the better teams shorthanded. So, you know, but they, they just rolled through the best teams in the East. And now they've beaten the Clippers. Obviously, the Clippers were missing their two-star players and a couple other guys, too. I understand all that. But I like the idea, and maybe it's against Davis that you're going specific, and it's hard for me to argue specifically against him. I understand that completely. Uh, I, I want, I'm trying to make an argument here because that's my job. <laughs> and, <laughs> right. And so I'm thinking – you know, is is Anthony Davis, because LeBron is so overwhelming, is Anthony Davis in the Pippen category to where we're asking, okay, this guy's a really good player, mm-hmm. but just how good is he? Because the number one is so overwhelmingly good. Right. That is that detract from the number two? It does, and the question is fairly or unfairly, and I would say unfairly, because Davis is still the difference between winning and losing on a lot of nights. LeBron spent a lot of energy to make sure they beat Minnesota, who is terrible, who is arguably the worst team in the NBA. Now, they've got the worst record, but you know if they were in the East playing some of those teams, they might not have the worst record, but they'd still be really bad. Yeah, but that's just one game. This sure. is the NBA. Anybody can beat anybody in one game. Right. But I think that that is, I think if we look since, since Davis went out, LeBron's had to really turn it up to make sure they beat some okay to bad teams. And they had no chance to beat the Nets, who were without Durant. You know, it's not like they had all their guys. Durant was in street clothes. 
Yeah, I think LeBron has to have an impact, a huge impact every single night. And so I think where Anthony Davis gets knocked down, I think you can have 10 Anthony Davises. Yes, but the also, and I agree with that, but the all-star team you get to put 12 guys on. With injuries, you get to put on 13 or 14. So, you know, and, and the other thing that we haven't gotten into, and I know we got to go to break here, is that if Clarkson gets on, is that in place of Mitchell and Gobert or are the Jazz getting three no. guys? Are they literally getting a quarter of the team? Well, maybe not with it. <laughs> maybe they're getting 20% of the team because there'll be more than 12 guys if, uh, if AD and Paul George are named. Well, the team if and Mitchell play. and Gobert don't go, I'm not going to pay attention to it. It's yeah. going to be bogus. It's, it's crap. It's useless. It makes no sense. Uh, so I'm, I'm not going to acknowledge that if that's the case. The, those two are an absolute given. It's just a question of do they get a third one, and Conley was on track for that, but now he's missed six ball games. So do you look somewhere else? I like the fact that Barkley brought up Clarkson because I think that role is difficult and he's succeeding at it and there's not that many guys who do it and even if Barkley's wrong it's definitely worth a shout out on national tv that's that this, for sure look yeah. what this guy is doing yes so. all right DJ and PK it's 97.5 1280 the zone Shane Young NBA columnist and analyst for Forbes Sports in LA for the Jazz and the Clippers this week he will join us coming up in about 15 minutes stay with us number one the Zone Sports Network is Utah's number one choice for sports radio in Utah. From DJ and PK to Hanson Scotty and the Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, the Zone continues to dominate the competition. Thank you to all of you that continue to make the Zone Sports Network Utah's highest rated, most listened to sports station. Your home for the best coverage of the teams you're passionate about is right here. 97.5, 1280 The Zone. In the Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Got some uh, a little bit of college football news. We just got a couple minutes here before we get back to the Jazz with Shane Young, NBA columnist. He's in LA. We'll talk Jazz and Clippers with him. But PK, you brought this up earlier in the show. Well, I brought it up, but you expounded on it. Uh, Arizona State is getting the former Ute wide receiver Brian Thompson. Started 12 games. Uh, during four years at Utah, uh, made some big plays, looked the part. People were always waiting for him to take the next step. He didn't. Why is that? Is it him? Is it the play calling? Is it the quarterbacking? Everybody's got an opinion. You know, it's some combination of all of those things probably. Now he goes to Arizona State. He's got two years of eligibility. You mix in the red shirt. You mix in the uh, bonus year because the clock didn't run on this last season. So that didn't, your NCAA clock didn't officially advance there. So he's got two years there. And as an ASU guy, I'm, I'm curious what your expectations are for him because I do think that a long-running debate in this market is going to be defined, and this probably isn't enough data points, enough info, but that's not going to stop the debate from raging on anyway. If he goes down there and excels, it'll be C, the U doesn't know how to, uh, to use a good wide receiver. If he goes down there and he doesn't excel for whatever reason, it'll be, wow, even the best Ute receivers go to another school and get buried. It's easy to see the debate going down either one of these paths. But the question is, you know the roster better than most of us, and you probably watch a lot of ASU football limited by when the Utes and Cougars play. Um, because that can conflict. Where do you think he's going to fit in? Is he going to go down there and blow up? Is he going to go down there and be okay? Is he going to go down there and disappear? What does the PK gut instinct say? 
Yeah, I don't really watch a lot of ASU football because of the local stuff that is a requirement as far as I'm concerned. But I do read a ton, that's for sure. I will agree with you on that. And I watch them when I can. It's just that, obviously, the locals take precedence, and a lot of times it's the same situation, same time or whatnot, or overlapping. So with that in mind, I was surprised he chose ASU, in all honesty, because when you listen to Herm, Herm is an NFL guy through and through, and I think to a large degree, NFL guys are cut from the Fred Whittingham mode, which is defense and don't screw up offense. And I said Fred. I purposely didn't say uh, Kyle. I said Fred because I think Fred is the one who's having the influence, and, and, and Kyle has spoken about that. It's no big secret. So it surprises me that Thompson chose Arizona State because – it seems like they're similar in their philosophies. Now, you look at Thompson, and boy, he checks all the boxes. And we were waiting, waiting, waiting. And I think, as I analyze it, a large portion of his lack of productivity that we expected based on expectation, not lack of productivity, end of sentence, lack of productivity based on expectation, I think a lot of it was the system of the offense. And I don't know that it's going to be different at ASU, but you do need to throw the ball. And even if you're run-oriented, you are still throwing the ball, as you say, 20 to 25 times in an offense. So, And Daniels didn't throw the ball that much. I think that my guess is, and I haven't spoken to anybody because it kind of took me off guard a little bit yesterday when I saw the news, I think that ASU's receiving core is extremely young. If they get back the last year, which they have the opportunity to get that back if they want it down the line, then they're basically starting a bunch of freshmen. And they only played four games last year, so I don't know that you can expect those guys to be all these big-time veterans because they just didn't have it last year and they didn't play enough games. So I, can, I guess I can see they have a need for a lead receiver who has a proven track record in the way the last couple years that they've had with, uh, not this past season, but before that when they played the full seasons with Iuke and Henry, and both of those dudes end up being first-round draft point picks. So you don't have to go to an air raid offense like SC where they're throwing the ball tons of times in order to get to the NFL. So I can see that. My guess is that we see more production out of Thompson at ASU than we saw at um, Utah. And then if he has, say, all things go well, his best-case scenario, then even though he has the two years that he really only takes the one and then tries to go off to the NFL. So it, it, it's a situation here, you know, and I, and I like to see the Utes do well, and everybody knows my thoughts about Kyle. But in all objectivity, I've got to look at and say, they just really haven't developed those those guys on the outside. Now, too, with Keithy here, you look at the situation, you're thinking, well, they're going to get him the ball as much as they can because he's in a lot of times in mismatched situations. And Covey is so dynamic when you get him the ball and he's got any type of space, any type of room, he's making a big play. So where does that leave me knowing that, of course, they're going to run the ball? So sort of a long-winded answer there. But I expect him to be a little bit better in Tempe than he was in Salt Lake. It still seems to me, and I know I just keep saying this, and it keeps not happening, and then I say it again. And it doesn't happen again. So now I'll say it one more time, even if it doesn't happen again. 
everything you say is true. You know, you got Covey as a slot receiver. He, they're going to throw him the ball. They got a really good tight end in Keithy. They like to throw it to the running backs out of the backfield. Now, I don't know how good these guys are. Is you know they bring in these grad transfers who apparently will be at the top of the depth chart. Uh, and we also don't know who the quarterback is and what kind of deep ball they throw. But there is still a place in a run dominant offense for a wide receiver who's a deep threat. So now it hasn't happened, but I'm waiting for it. It seems like it ought to happen, but it hasn't. And it seemed like it could have been him. And now if it is him, it'll be Jaden Daniels throwing deep balls to him at Arizona State. Yeah. All right, DJ and PK coming up. Shane Young, NBA columnist, analyst for Forbes Sports. He's working in L.A. this week. Jazz and Clippers in L.A. tonight. And I'm sure he was covering that uh, Laker Laker-Nets game last night as well. Uh, we'll talk with him coming up next. Andrew Reinhardt joins us right now uh, with the Wasatch Medical Clinic Breakthrough Treatment. You've heard a little bit about it, and Cambridge University is backing up your work now, Andrew. Yes, they are. Uh, there's 40 clinical studies showing that our technology can reverse ED, regrow blood vessels. Cambridge University did a study, and what's interesting is they took a very wide uh, age range and a lot of different health conditions. They also took guys that were no longer even responding to the pill. So I kind of assume this was severe erectile dysfunction. Uh, tested them, you know, put them through the treatments. At the end of it, they said every single guy tested received an increase in blood flow. So really cool science here. I think we are really on to something. If you're out there struggling with ED at any level, of any age, this can work for you and it can get you off of taking that pill. So you've got uh, the top causes of ED as you interview guys as they come through and talk to them about their medical history. You're seeing a few trends. Yes, we are. I don't think the American lifestyle and diet is helping any of us. That's the first thing. Uh, but diabetes, prostate issues. I also think that this is just the way that a man ages. I think it happens to guys younger than we'd like to admit. So uh, we do see the same things over and over. I mentioned some of those, but uh, you're more normal than you think if you're out there struggling at any level. So you got a special offer for our listeners. You want to uh, tell them all about it? We do. The worst thing you can do if you're struggling with ED is nothing at all. The problem gets worse. Call Wasatch Medical Clinic now. And the first step is the assessment and exam with our doctor. He'll do a blood flow ultrasound. We're going to do that at no charge and throw in a little gift that uh, guys love. It produces instant results in the bedroom. New patients even get free testosterone now. So a lot of value. Call Wasatch Medical and put a stop to the ED once and for all. All right. The number to claim that offer is 801-901-8000. 801-901-8000. You can call Wasatch Medical and Andrew right now at 801-901-8000. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you, guys.